it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. I know you had a weekend packed with what's going on in the news. Impossible to escape uh, these storylines, and I don't expect you would. If you're listening to this show, you're passionate about what's going on in the country, so I understand it. Andy McCarthy, one of the best in the business of breaking down the law that everyone can understand. He's been booked. He'll be on with us at the bottom of the hour to talk about Roe v. Wade and the decisions that could come down as early as today, and I'll go over them at some point but they are impactful decisions handed out by the Supreme Court. And the whole default that Democrats have of when in doubt, say it's illegitimate. When in doubt, Donald Trump didn't win the election. When in doubt, George W. Bush didn't win the election. When in doubt, Governor Brian Kemp didn't really win the election. When in doubt, the Supreme Court is invalid. It's illegitimate. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But the ultimate two issues really are how to deal with China and more immediately how to deal with Vladimir Putin and Russia. Yeah, that was Pierce Morgan with me a short time ago. G7, dominated by Ukraine as Russian grabs another Donbass town at great cost. They've also defaulted on their bond deadline. First time since 1918. Putin beating the sanctions and what the West plans on doing now to stop the barbarity at their border. Number two. President Biden has just signed a major gun control measure into law. The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is the most significant update to the nation's gun laws in nearly three decades. Guns greenlighted in New York and six other states thanks to the Supreme Court. And as you just heard, a bipartisan deal signed into law in an effort to rein in mass shootings. What will it mean for our Second Amendment and safety? Number one. Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and the question of abortion has been returned to the states. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. A weekend of protest, overheated punditry, what it means for abortion, and the midterms. So first off, abortion is not illegal. It's returned to the states. What does that mean? Well, it depends on where you live. Uh, what we know right now, uh, 70% of you, according to a CBS poll, said the decision should be between a woman and a doctor, meaning you're not happy about the decision being, uh, being now a, no longer a federal law. 58% say it's legal in all or most cases, abortion. And 49% of you say the abortions done in this country are performed for women who live below the poverty line. That's more of a fact. Now, 59% of Americans and 67% of women in the U.S. disapprove of this overturn. 41% of Americans and 33% of women in the U.S. approve of the ruling. So it's below uh, the high watermark. 20% of Republicans said the decision would make them more likely to vote this fall. But 52% of Democrats say they're more likely to vote. What could hurt Democrat Republicans? 31% of independents uh, are, appro- uh, are for 
Roe v. Wade being overturned, meaning the majority are not. We'll talk about that. 13 states have trigger laws, meaning they put it on the books. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion's illegal. So that's illegal in 13 states. 20 states have abortion rights in place. 13 states will activate the so-called trigger bans, and seven, uh, and in at least seven times it's already happened in seven separate states. So Florida, they're going to leave it at 15 weeks as of now. Same thing in Virginia. So what does it mean? What are the ramifications? You talk about inflammatory. Listen to somebody who I think is normally calm. Terry Moran of ABC Cut One. This is the most consequential Supreme Court decision in decades. It changes the status of American women as citizens of the United States and as citizens of their states. That's the big picture, but let's not mince words. Women will die because of this ruling. Right. Uh, women will die because of this ruling, and women will die maybe getting an abortion. What Your reporter, a correspondent, women will die and change the way they're viewed as citizens in this country? I don't know what you're talking about. Have you read the law? I mean, have you seen the decision? Here's the opinion. The majority opinion authored by Alito says this. We now, uh, we now overrule those decisions and return the authority to the people and their elected representatives. In dissecting opinions, Justice Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor wrote, in overruling Rowan Casey, this court betrays its guarding principles. The ruling transfers power over abortion policies to the states, 22 of which have either already or likely will ban the abortion. Four more have pending legislation. I mean, it's pretty much the way our government set it up, isn't it? People say, well, it's the exact inverse of what they decided with guns. Guns are in the Constitution. This is not. So would it have been better for our country overall 15 weeks, knock it down from 24 weeks, more in line with other Western nations, perhaps easier? But what's the right thing to do? According to Elizabeth Warren, her old default, the whole court is illegitimate. Cut five. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it with the Roe versus Wade opinion. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court, and that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. When in doubt, let's pack the court and make sure it's illegitimate in everybody's eyes. That's what they're looking to do. Evidently, according to reports, the White House obviously wants to exercise maximum gain from this, what they think is a political move uh, by the Supreme Court to ban abortion. They say that it is a uh, because there are conservative majority of conservatives on the court. They think they can somehow get momentum to help them in the midterms. Here's Jonathan Swan on this week on Fox News Sunday with Martha McCallum. Cut 11. So inside the White House, they've been preparing for this since the leak happened, since the leak came out at the start of May of the decision. They immediately saw, in terms of the political dimensions of it, they saw this as their best opportunity to energize Democratic voters this year. The guns issue was another one, but that's sort of been neutered a little bit because of the bipartisan deal on the Hill. So to the extent that they have an issue that can rev up their base, their base has been very depressed. Um, They've got probably the most uh, horrible political environment for Democrats in a decade. 
um, and uh, this issue has been, to some extent, a life raft for them. So they're going to do a full court press on this. The vice president has a really prominent role in this. She's been meeting with um, pro-choice groups almost every week since that leak happened, and they're going to mobilise their political and outside infrastructure to get as much political bang for their buck as they can out of this decision. Yeah, yeah good luck heading up the vice president and heading it up. And by the way, it's hard to describe, but I'll just give you this. Evidently, the... Vice President tweeted something out We've uh, that while she's watching, she's going to fight with every woman, uh, rich or poor, while she's on Air Force Two on a huge flat screen. So she sent it out, let them eat cake uh, tweet uh, for the ages. So she's going to be in charge. You know, it's going to be an epic fail. She can't lead anything, doesn't understand any issue. We'll be out there with long pauses in between speeches and statements. Good luck with that. The Vice President is in charge. Great. Great job on the border. A great job with voting rights. So the other thing that I think you probably will disagree with me uh, will disagree with me on, and that is what came out of the bipartisan gun legislation, uh, headed up by Senator Murphy and Senator Cornyn. I listened to the New York Times and a podcast on this, The Daily, and you really understand that the Democrats almost got nothing that they wanted. They wanted to bear AR-15s. They wanted to rage the. Uh, they wanted to ban all assault weapons. They also wanted to raise the age from 18 to 21. They wanted to have a national, a federal red flag law. That's just the beginning of what they wanted. Of course, they've always wanted a registry. What they got is, and by the way, Joe Biden was, according to his press secretary, not even interested in putting money into increasing school security, which is nuts. But in the end, they have more money for school security. More money for cycle and social causes for every school. Then when it comes to 18 to 21, they didn't ban gun purchases for 18-year-olds. What they did is allow you to look at the juvenile record before an 18-year-old makes a purchase. To me, I'm for that. If you look thoroughly at the 18-year-old's track record in Uvalde and Buffalo, we don't have a shooting. If you look at the, the background of the Parkland shooter, we probably don't have a shooting. The guy was born a, a, um, a, a school shooter. Now he spends the rest of his life in jail. For some reason, he's alive. Straw buyers, if you buy a gun for somebody that can't get a gun on their own, you are going to uh, deal with possible jail time. So they're going to be very strict when it comes to that. Domestic partners threatening violence or showing uh, violence. If you're married, you get your gun taken away. If you're accused and, and convicted of domestic abuse. But if the boyfriend-girlfriend situation, you're not. So they closed the boyfriend loophole on that. A little bit controversial. All red flag laws, controversial. If you look at what happened in Florida with the Republican governor, and I think one body is Republican, in 2018, that about 9,000 red flag laws were implemented, a lot of which were in Duval County. WOKV, our great listeners over there. How's it going? Are you ever wrongly accused? Well, one thing they have in this bill is a criteria to get money. If your state chooses to have a to have a red flag law, there's money for it. If not, you could use it to the money for social and psychological services. Everyone seems to be maxed out on this. I think the 80 percent of this is what Republicans can sign off on. A lot of people are upset by it. Here's Jonathan Carl on this week with George Stephanopoulos. Cut 25. And the way it was done uh, is it was was fascinating. I saw Chris Murphy, who has you know some some views on on gun rights that that that, that are that are pretty far out. You know, to, Republicans have very little agreement with him. He put aside 
virtually everything that Joe Biden called for in his speech after Uvalde. Uh, there was no, nothing in this to, to ban assault weapons, to raise the age for the purchase of, of rifles, no bans on ammunition, none of that stuff. Um, he wanted to actually get something done. And they actually, Martha, they brought the NRA in on this. The NRA opposed this, but not vocally, because they were actually involved in the drafting, as was every town, uh, you know, the, uh, the pro-gun safety group. So this, this, was, this was a victory for bipartisanship and, 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 a, and a victory that will have an impact. That, I've, I'm fascinated. I did not know the NRA was brought in on this. So Matthew McConaughey, who I think is one of these actors that gets it, born in Texas, made his name in Hollywood, so he's got the elite, he's got the working class, got the ranch hand, you know, his, uh, you read his book, there's a reason why it was a bestseller for about a year. He writes this. He said, the new gun safety legislation passed by Congress last week isn't perfect, but it's a shining example of compromise in this country. I do believe you got to find moments to compromise without giving up your core values, but you got to compromise. And I think this is an example. Almost none of you agree with me, and I'm fine with that, but call one 408 7669. I'll break down more Roe v. Wade, give you the latest on G7 when we come back, and then we'll bring in Andy McCarthy to tell us where we go from here and uh, separate fact from fiction. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. talk show that's real this is the brian kilmeade show i would just say to people in the united states and uh, that this is something that uh, america historically does and, and has to do and that is to step up for peace and freedom and democracy if we let putin get away with it and just annex conquer sizable parts of a free, independent, sovereign country, then the consequences for the world are absolutely catastrophic. We're legitimating a further acquisition by him by violence of other parts of the former Soviet Union. We're legitimating aggression in other parts of the, of the world. And you can see the, the read across in, in East Asia. Uh, you can see the consequences, the lessons that will be drawn. 100%. And I totally agree with that. And uh, obviously, I felt that same way. There's a lot of people that don't. They say, Russia, let be Russia. Ukraine's not a great democracy. What's the big deal? I think it's a huge deal. And now the G7 is meeting to see how the sanctions are falling short. Russia is able to use India, China, and some others uh, like Iran. And believe it or not, they can refine it and they sell oil. And they're able to sell things and trade with others, including Turkey, a NATO partner who's giving Finland and Sweden a hard time about admissions. They're meeting 
uh, they're probably going to try to get some type of extortion out of them because there's such an economic mess under that corrupt leader, Erdogan. So people are going by the sanctions. It doesn't mean Russia is not hurting. Evidently, they did default on their debt first time since 1918. But the fact is they don't care about their people. They can just keep throwing other people out there, uh, other 18, 19-year-olds with no experience. They're throwing the numbers and have long-distance artillery that are blowing up cities. So we're able to take another city. Uh, and then the G7 now, they're talking about different plans. They're talking about no longer buying Russian gold. They should be talking about secondary sanctions to China and India. Stop dealing with them. Simple as that. More from Boris Johnson, cut 30. What Joe Biden is currently spending, I think, $46 billion to help Ukraine. I would argue that that is a price worth paying for democracy and freedom. Because if you think about the the post-war period, when that argument was conclusively settled in favor of democracy, against the violent changing of borders uh, by aggression, think what that achieved, the decades and decades of peace and freedom. So what I'm saying to people is sometimes America is asked by the world to to step up. I think America is still the last best hope of, of peace and freedom. I do, too. Uh, You had a lot going on there. And a lot of times it's better to be feared and respected than loved. And we got to give up ever being loved, including by our allies. And we got to be when it comes down to this, we have to be thuggish against Russia. They cannot believe me. If they're able to take a third of Ukraine, they're going to learn lessons learned from their horrible performance in this area. And they're going to go take Georgia, take uh, Moldova. Uh, now they're going to say uh, they're going to uh, light up Kaliningrad, threaten Latvia and Lith- Lithuania. And that uh, that Kaliningrad cor- uh, corridor is already militarized. So this is going to be a problem for the next 50 years. Can we please save a generation and stop this lunatic from taking parts of Ukraine when they're doing all the great fighting? So that's I hope these guys are serious and although Germany got praised and they have changed stances, they haven't done anything near of what they pledged to do. France could do more. A lot, a lot of others can do more. Poland has been unbelievable. Gary, listen on WVMT in Burlington, Vermont. Hey, Gary. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, I just heard you talk about the red flag law a little earlier and all that. I think it's a good thing as far as, especially with the 18-year-olds and under, that uh, you yep. know we can expose some of that before any of these things happen. The big concern I have with this, is that, you know, in the long run, you're going to be removing a constitutional right from somebody. That's going to be an accusation. And when that happens, I mean, look at what's going on in D.C. the past bunch of years with Nadler, Schiff, Pelosi, Schumer, the FBI, their efforts to unseat a president. Even now, the January 6th commission, the Kavanaugh hearings, people are lying. There's, for, for whatever reason, it's lying now, either under oath or otherwise, is not held accountable. So, I mean, how is the regular citizen that's potentially going to lose their right to I own a firearm or defend their family? Uh, how are they going to? You, you put out solid examples of a reason to be distrustful. And then you see a Supreme Court go ahead and push him back. Today, they're going to push him back on Remain in Mexico. They pushed him back on what they're doing with laws, the gun laws in New York City. Uh, I think they pushed him back on Roe v. Wade. I, I think there's a, there's a hope it can be done right. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Yes, I mean, Justice Thomas wrote that separate opinion that the language is obviously very jarring for some people to read, but he has one vote, and it takes five. And the court majority said it's hard to see how we could be any more clear that those cases, the right to contraception, the right to same-sex marriage, are not in doubt that abortion is different because, as the court said, it involves a life. You had Justice Kavanaugh writing a separate opinion, making that point, emphasizing that point. Those cases are not at risk. That was Jan Crawford of CBS uh, going over the details of why this will not be the end of interracial marriage. Not the end, end uh, not be the end of same-sex marriage. Andy McCarthy knows this, Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Uh, Andrew, I can't imagine what your life's been like, Andy, over the last uh, 72 hours. Well, it's, uh, you know, look, after um, I was, I guess I was 15 when Roe was decided, 14. So, you know, for someone who came of age and went to law school and uh, was in the uh, conservative movement, it's I, I've, I've lived through the entire 50 years of this battle. So just to just to read the words of the court where they say Roe and Casey are overturned is just it's still uh, startling to me, mainly because um, things usually don't happen this way. You know, there's usually most victories you get are a little bit vague and and kind of slippery that you don't usually get a sweeping correct result like this so or, uh, i'm, I'm yeah. still recovering from that jan crawford right though right this is this is not going to mean the end of interracial marriage or same-sex marriage well uh, you know look jan is very smart i like her a lot um and for example it's not the end of uh it's not the end of any of those cases to be sure, but I don't agree with her um, sense that, uh, you know, what Thomas is saying is just an outlier position. What Thomas is actually saying is the position of the court with respect to the legal reasoning that was behind some of those decisions. And by the way, interracial marriage is not one of them. Interracial marriage is an equal protection case. It's one of the reasons that Thomas doesn't mention it. you know, in the same way that he mentioned some of these other decisions, like the contraceptive decision. But the thing is, Brian, the reason they they felt like they had to come out and say emphatically that life is different is because they laid out a legal test for determining what an unenumerated right is. That is, a you know, a right that the court is going to give constitutional force to, even though it's not mentioned in the Constitution. And what the court has basically said, relying on a case, mainly a case that was written by Chief Justice Rehnquist in the late 1990s, um, what they're basically saying is the right has to be derived from American history and tradition, and it has to be central to a system of ordered liberty. And there are very few rights that would make that cut. And to the extent that Justice Thomas is saying, um, that, for example, the contraceptive cases would not have made that cut. He's quite right about that. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind, though, is you know what we've been saying now for seven weeks since the leak came out, which is that the court was not ending abortion. If the Alito opinion became the law of the land, what that meant was it was going back to the states. I haven't noticed any state where there's a big groundswell to have legislation outlawing contraceptive. Uh, and I'd be very surprised yeah. if that happens. So, but you know, the, the bottom line here, Brian, is that what the court is saying in this case is that this is a self-governing democratic republic, 
which means adults get to govern themselves and they don't get told what to do by, you know, five lawyers in robes. So, you know, right. I'm, I'm not afraid to live in that world. And I'm kind of surprised the left is because all they ever tell us is how popular abortion rights are. If, if that if that's the case, there shouldn't be any problem. Right. Uh, that's a that's a good point. The other thing is how popular abortion rights are are one thing. And then we uh, also will find out basically what states are going to do. We kind of know where they stand anyway. But now we know 13 states have trigger bans in uh, place by July. We know that 20 states have abortion rights in place. 13 states will activate activate the so-called trigger bans, and seven have done it already. Georgia is one of about a dozen states to pass a so-called fetal heartbeat bill, which I believe is six weeks, correct? The, the, I believe that is right, although there's some, uh, there's some exceptions to it, which would take a long time to explain. Right. But yes, six, six weeks is their basic uh, guideline. Right? So I don't know. I, I torture myself and I watch the Sunday shows to try to get a, a wide, quick swath of, of uh, especially on big, big weekends like this, and especially torture to listen to AOC. Cut three. Forcing women to carry pregnancies against their will uh, will kill them. It will kill them, especially in the state of Arkansas, where there is very little to no support for life after birth uh, in terms of health care, in terms of child care, and in terms of combating poverty. This decision and this policy will kill people no matter what their, what the, their spin and what uh, their talking points are. And that's what the data shows, and that's what the statistics show. So. Obviously, anytime you're giving birth, there's always a risk throughout time of people dying. But do you think that's the way to uh, look at this issue? Women will die? You know, look, I, I think she's got an economics degree and, and has shown time and time again she doesn't know much about economics. So now she's straying into an area that we can't even presume she knows anything about, and she's you know true to form. I, I think what you, people ought to do is ask AOC – is there any abortion that you would prohibit? Because I think what people are finding since the court has dispensed with Roe is that they now – the general feeling in the country, which is not my feeling, Brian, I'm, I'm pro-life, but the general feeling in the country is that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare, right? Most people think it should be available, but they don't like the idea of second trimester abortions, and they really don't like the idea – of third trimester abortions, I'm not talking about situations where the, the life of the mother is actually uh, in danger, but people don't like that, that sort of thing. People don't like the idea that you can have abortion for any reason at any time, completely elective abortion up until the moment of delivery. So what most people are going to find in the wake of Roe is that they're now going to live under an abortion legal regime that is much closer to what they prefer than what Roe is. I think what people don't understand is the way Roe was interpreted, it meant abortion on demand at any time for any reason. And that is a radical position. It's so nuts. I think they ought yeah. to be called out on it. Does a, what abortion does AOC think we shouldn't have up to the moment of, of delivery? And you know what happens when they ask, get asked that question, Brian, from everyone from President Biden down to AOC? They change the subject because they don't want to answer the question because they can't answer the question. What they basically have to tell the American people is that birthing people, because they can't even say woman, should be able to be allowed to have an abortion to terminate the life of an unborn child 
up until the moment of delivery. What's also amazing is that birthing people or menstruating people, but they do know that there's women. They know suddenly there is a difference between men and women when it comes to this, even though Governor Whitmer kept saying women and menstruating people, as if there's a difference. <laughs> so, I mean, it's unbelievable. This clown show really, is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah. but, he, but I, here's, here's what they're saying. Here's another issue I want to bring you to. Because they're saying that Kavanaugh and Gorsuch were disingenuous or flat out lied. Manchin and Collins are bringing that up. So listen to this. Cut four. If we allow Supreme Court nominees to lie under under oath and secure lifetime appointments to the highest court of the land and then issue issue without basis, if you read these opinions, issue without basis rulings that deeply undermine the human and civil rights of, of, the, of the majority of Americans, we must see that through. There must be consequences for such a deeply destabilizing action and hostile takeover of our democratic institutions. So she goes on to say they should be impeached and we should take them impeachment proceedings. Do you want to weigh in there, Andy McCarthy? Yeah, well, I mean, it's idiotic. They, they, and it's very partisan and one-sided. Look, Elena Kagan, when she was confirmed, said, yeah, we're all originalists now. Uh, we have to pay attention to originalism. So did uh, uh, the, the most recent uh, justice, who's Ketanji Brown-Jackson. She's an originalist, too, if you listen to her in the confirmation. Uh, Sotomayor said that she was open to the idea of Second Amendment rights. Has she written an opinion since she's been on the court that's consistent with the way she testified during her confirmation hearing? You know, look, every justice um, leaves some wiggle room. They all uh, signal to the because they're trying to attract votes from the other party. They all signal that they're open minded about things and they don't plant their feet and promise that they're going to rule a certain way. But they say they're open to it. So once you're on the court, open to it means that you apply whatever legal tests apply. I think, for example, uh, Justice Barrett gave the best um, description of stare decisis that I can remember in all these confirmation hearings. Stare decisis is the doctrine that says we respect precedent, right, which is the one the left always pushed with Roe versus Wade. And what Barrett said is, look, stare decisis is not a rule of decision. It's not a dictate. It's a test that we apply it's got multi parts in it to determine which precedents are we going to keep and which ones aren't we going to keep. Um, so it's not like anyone's lying. What they said was they would apply the law. They would apply this test of stare decisis. It didn't come out the way the left wanted it to come out. But the only thing they care about here is it, it's got nothing to do with fidelity to their confirmation hearings and fidelity to the law or anything else. It's if you want to impose the left's policy preferences, you can take whatever contortionate position you have to take to get confirmed, and they'd be delighted to have you. Uh, if you're against the left's policy preferences or you make a decision that, do, that doesn't allow those to be uh, you know, implemented forevermore, right. then you're an enemy of the state. And I think people look at this and they recognize it for what it is. I hope so, uh, because Judge Ketanji Brown is about to take over, right? Uh, she would not comment on what a woman is. Uh, I mean, we could. she wouldn't do anything. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as you would know, in 1993 was the one who says, I'm not going to prejudice myself by commenting on any vote that I don't know that may or may not come before me. I don't want to prejudice myself against right. the case. So that kind of set the precedent. 
And as the Wall Street Journal writes in that lead editorial that Gorsuch and Kavanaugh didn't do anything wrong, and they're sure they didn't do any, say, guarantee anything behind the scenes. And what they said in front gives them the right to examine each and every issue. They said there no constitutional – they did both say there's no constitutional right to an abortion. So – but yeah, they said that Brian, they were also – go ahead. I, I, I would just point out that Susan Collins is on the Judiciary Committee, I believe, right? Um, is there ever a point where she said to Kavanaugh, isn't it a fact that you told me when we met in, our, in my office – that you were a not-the-rock-the-boat kind of guy and that I didn't need to worry about Roe versus Wade because you'd never overturn it. She never asked that question because he would not He would have said, no, that's not what I said at all. I mean, you know, if, if, if that was where Susan Collins was coming from, then why didn't she get up and simply say, I had this guy in my office and we can ask him because he's sitting right here, um, and he told me I don't need to worry about Roe versus Wade because he's a not-rock-the-boat kind of guy. Um, and he's never going to overturn it. Why don't we ask him if he said that? She had him right there. She yep. could, if that's what if that's what she says he said, why are we? Why is there any mystery about this? She had him there. He was under oath. You could have asked him the question. So now uh, we're looking at another issue. Did you drill down? Last question. This is a big one. So now, if you do, if you're in a state, okay, after 15 weeks, we'll still up till 15 weeks. When you have a zero tolerance, no bans at all, like Mississippi. So does that include rape and incest? And if it doesn't, then you can you really be pro-life? As we get to, I never yes. thought we'd really be discussing this since night, you know, but we are. How do you feel about that? I think that this is something I've been arguing about for years and why it's important that this is now in the political realm rather than the legal realm. In the law, Brian, you're required to be rigorously logical. So if you take it, but this is the reason that Clarence Thomas, you know, you asked me about Clarence Thomas's opinion and Jan Crawford's uh, speculation on it. The reason people are, are alarmed about Thomas is what he's saying is like if you follow the rigorous logic of the decision, then all these other decisions are vulnerable, right? Um, the thing about politics that's different from law is that the, politics is not required to be rigorously logical. In politics, it's about social cohesion and domestic tranquility. To live with each other, we have to be able to live with our disagreements. So we compromise. And sometimes the compromises aren't logical. You know, I have to give in on some of the things that maybe if, uh, if we were following rigorous logic and I got to have my way, I would get the whole thing. But in order to live peacefully together, we have to be able to live and disagree. So it may be illogical to the pro-life position to say uh, rape and incest um, you know, shouldn't get any protection. On the other hand, what we're talking about is 1%, actually less than 1% of the total number of abortions. And if you're asking me, um, would I take the protection against 99% of abortions? And what I have to do to get that is to acknowledge an exception for rape and incest. Then I say that's a good deal for life, even if it's not the most rigorously logical deal. I hear you. Tough situation because uh, you have the baby, you got the mom, and then you have what's right and what's wrong. Um, but as as technology got better and you get to see what's going on inside the womb and you get these 3D images, it really makes the decision a lot easier. Andy McCarthy, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. All right. Um, he's got to need plenty of rest. We need him a lot. Now, listen, I'm going to come back. I'm going to squeeze in some calls. I want a little long here, but you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show, an important day. So glad you're here. 
Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be from the Navy SEAL Museum out on Long Island, uh, bringing the national show there. I think you'll love it. We'll appreciate it. Uh, run by, really put together by Dan Murphy, Michael Murphy's dad. Uh, you remember the whole lone survivor situation, what a hero he is. Uh, but uh, the other thing I have is what made America great. That's certainly one thing that made America great. But there's something else that I try to do. I've done like 45 now. Uh, is go to different parts of our past that really stand out to make America, America. One of which is our history of oil, how we became the number one oil producer in the world. Here's a little of it. By 1920, at the end of the war, there were a million cars on the road in American streets. And those cars were fueled by gasoline refined from crude oil. How long is the exploration? How long does the drilling take place? Months, weeks, Well, it, years? it depends on the depth of the well. So typically what happens is you start an exploration phase. We actually have a broader understanding of the zones that will actually produce oil and gas, which is called the reservoir, and then subsequently various completion strategies are employed. Kind of cool, right? I also have the history of Hollywood, history of the automobile, uh, history of the aircraft carrier. Uh, let's go to Regina Listen WHIO. Hey, Regina. Um, yes, I just had a concern with Roe Ro versus Wade. Okay. Uh, there was no exception um, mentioned for those women and girls who have been raped, which I think is a great concern uh, because this, this can result in a pregnancy, an unwanted uh, pregnancy. I hear you. And we just discussed that, Regina. I think you heard with Andy McCarthy. And there should be an exception there, obviously. But each state's going to decide individually. Um, but I hear you. Incest, you going to go through on that? I don't think so. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Thanks so much Kilmeade. for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, 48th and 6th. And, of course, heard around the country, around the world, especially in Ukraine and in Germany, where the G7 is taking place. This hour, we're going to be joined by Michael Goodwin, who's standing by in New York, and Rick Perry. If you want to know how to run the Department of Energy, he's the guy who did it and was very successful at it. Also knows the oil and gas business, being the longtime governor of Texas. And this guy is totally ignoring ignoring it. We expected Supreme Court justices' uh, decisions to come out. And, of course, Friday, the Titanic one with Roe v. Wade, it is now nullified. And now this just came across, and let's read it together. The Supreme Court has sided with the football coach on school prayer. Uh, They voted on a 6-3 decision. Uh, They sided with the former high school football coach who says religious liberty rights were violated uh, when disciplined for kneeling and praying uh, on the field after games. He prayed. He wouldn't stop doing it. A one atheist kid complained, and the parent, so they fired him. Joseph Kennedy says his faith-based right to pray on the 50-yard line now has been substantiated. Gorsuch writes this, both the free exercise and free speech clauses of the First Amendment protect expressions like Mr. Kennedy's. 
nor does uh, proper understanding of the Amendment Establishment Clause require the government to single out private religious speech for special disfavor. The Constitution and the best of our traditions counsel mutual respect and tolerance, not censorship and suppression for religious and non-religious views alike. Believe me, if it was a Muslim and they were uh, praying every quarter, no one would touch this. Michael Goodwin joins us now. Michael, I know you didn't call to talk about this, but uh, your thoughts on first blush on this decision? Well, Brian, I think it goes to the heart of uh, religious freedom, obviously. And, I mean, I, I, think that, I think the court is correct that a, a Yale professor named Stephen Carter wrote a book years ago that, that uh, he's still writing books. Uh, but he said that we, we've gone too far in pushing religion out of the public square. And uh, that is clearly the point here, that uh, you say if, if he were praying, if he were a Muslim praying, but, there was, but, if, but if he were a witch praying or if he were uh, a secularist calling on, you know, the trees to bloom greener, that would be okay. It's religion that sets off the fury of a lot of people on the left. And, and it's almost as though religion is, is so precious that it must be kept in a corner and it cannot be part of life. But of course, all the religions teach, all the great religions teach that it has to be part of your life. It is central to your life. And so to say in the public square, no, 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 we can't talk about religion. And Stephen Carter, this professor from Yale, made the point that if I say uh, I'm, I'm for uh, building this highway on the basis of uh, uh, it's just good public uh, highway, but if I say I'm for building it because it will link two religious communities together, then the first argument will be taken more seriously than the second argument. It will be credited as a legitimate argument, whereas the religious aspect will be discredited as illegitimate. And I think he's right about that. That's the way just ask people can ask themselves. They see it in their daily life all the time. And I think this is a, this is a perfect example. If the coach were doing anything but praying, he would have been fine. He could have kneeled uh, in the 50-yard line for two days. But if he's praying, that somehow crosses the line. So I'm really happy that the Supreme Court said, no, 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 you cannot discriminate against religion. So right there, that's the religious liberty case. Uh, Also, you could, the the Joe and Joe Kennedy now has a rule in his favor, and I got the sense that that was going that direction. It's too bad it's on uh, party line, so to speak, 6-3. I mean, why, why some Democrat or a, a liberal uh, justices can't see it that way is disturbing. Uh, I'm well, going to... It's disturbing, but not surprising, right? I, I mean, let, let's face it. The left is the ones pushing religion out of the public square. I mean, the left uh, believes that religion is a force for bad as well as a force for good. And they are touchy-feely about any kind of sense that, uh, you know, someone should be left out, someone who doesn't believe uh, should be offended. I mean, so it's not surprising that the three so-called liberal justices uh, are opposed to religion in the public square. And probably sometime in the next couple of days, we're going to find out about the Remain in Mexico policy. They try to reverse it. 
even though it's against our better interest to do it, uh, on the immigration. So the Supreme Court's hearing that. Can Biden reverse Trump's Remain of Mexico policy? Uh, it was already stayed. On uh, the environmental regulations, West Virginia versus the EPA, um, a multi-pronged challenge to the new EPA rules uh, at issues of the Clean Air Act. Uh, can you start infringing your radical, in my, these are my words, your radical environmental views on our natural oil, our, our natural energy process? It's going to be bigger than West Virginia should it go down. Uh, the other major story, um, and there, there's a few others coming down. But I want to talk about what you wrote your column on Sunday. You believe Roe v. Wade, regardless of where you stand, is going to help Democrats in the midterms. Uh, what, what do you base that on? I think it could. I mean, I, I think that it energizes their base in a way that they have been unable to do with Joe Biden as president. I mean, uh, the, the Democrats are flat. They, they, the fact that so many are abandoning Biden, saying he should not run again, uh, the polling indicates that on all of the key issues, he's well underwater. 30, uh, as I say in the column, he had 35 percent approval in a recent uh, uh, poll in New York, in New York, the deep blue New York, 35 percent approval. So, uh, look, uh, that the whole point of the election was the reason they brought Donald Trump out of retirement for the January 6th hearing. That's all about the election is trying to gin up the hatred for Trump again, you know, get the band back together on hating Trump. None of it was really moving the needle, though, on on the uh, fall elections. It still looks as if the Democrats are about to be routed, certainly in the House and perhaps in the Senate, too. And they, dirt, so and along, they deserve it, Michael. I mean, it's not just absolutely. bad. They're not Those unlucky. Polls, They're just no, bad. That's right. That's right. It's not just a bad day. It's a bunch of bad policies. Uh, but now comes along abortion. And I think that this is a tricky one because obviously some states, such as New York, there'll be no change effectively. You're protected under state law. But on other, but in other states, there will be a real battle. And I think even in places like New York, uh, it will be used to try to maximize the turnout, particularly in those uh, districts that are swing districts or that are Republican-held districts. And so don't forget, we just had uh, redistricting across the country, uh, depending on who had the power in the legislature and whether the courts got involved. Uh, the, the makeup of a number of districts has changed. Changed. And so this will be the first test of, of not just the abortion, but the turnout issue uh, within these uh, reconfigured districts. So, look, I think right now, Brian, it's the only thing they have. It's the only thing they can possibly motivate people on. And as I wrote in the column, I got I got email bombardments from Democrats immediately after the ruling, including six from James Carvel in, in 24 hours, uh, all of them uh, pushing a woman uh, uh, in Nevada, the center of Nevada, Masto, uh, whose seat is considered vulnerable. So I they're fundraising on it. They're pushing it. They're going to whip. They're going to whip their their supporters into a frenzy over this because they ain't got much else. Here is what Doug Hay said in uh, the the, R, the former RNC communications director. Cut fourteen. 
We don't know if it's, as Jonathan mentioned, how much that's going to motivate Democrats versus all the other things that everyday Americans are dealing with every day, inflation being the most prominent example. And one thing that Republicans need to be concerned about, looking back at 2010, 12, and 14 Senate races, is what kind of Republican rhetoric are we going to hear from this? So Mary Miller last night in Illinois um, talked about white life, whatever that means. Uh, this is a shade of Todd Akin, Richard Murdoch, Sharon Angle, Christine O'Donnell, four Senate races that we left on the table. So good point, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Although that white life, uh, as I read that, that was uh, the woman apologized. She, it's not what she meant, it, meant to say, apparently. But I, I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't there. I'm not sure if there's a tape. But uh, it was look, it, Donald it Trump. She was introduced what, what, by Donald Trump. And he said, you did yeah. a lot to save white life. It was, everyone's like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. But when you, when you come down to it in these states, uh, you know, the Senate races in particular are probably going to be very tight. A number of them could go either way. And so if it's a if it's a red wave, then a lot of these maybe less than stellar candidates would be swept in. But when you get down into it, if if there's a suburban turnout, a mostly suburban female turnout, that's where the Democrats are going to aim this. That's who they have to motivate to come out and vote on abortion. Uh, Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Keep in mind, all this stuff is everything you said is valid. Everything Doug Hay said is valued. James Carville's emails. But it's June. So much has changed uh, in a month or two. And then I look at what's happening at the border. How could that not be a major issue in this country with all these records going uh, uh, these bad records coming through and all these people dying in the fence and all this coming through the border. Uh, there's so much this administration has done terrible at. It's amazing that this one issue could be something that, that energizes them. Uh, thanks so much, Michael. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right. When we come back, I want to give you a chance to talk. I know all weekend you've been listening and maybe talking to people you know because you don't want to risk alienating any friends or family. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I don't have voice recognition uh, hardware or software. Uh, we're waiting for other Supreme Court decisions. So far, the football coach can pray and probably never should have been fired. Would pro- was should never have been fired from his football team, his high school football job. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is a huge win for free exercise and religious freedom. Uh, The court does not just side with this coach, but it does some cleanup work with regard to prior doctrines, including something called the lemon test. This effectively puts the final nail in the coffin of lemon. Uh, That was a test in determining when you would have violations under these uh, clauses. And what the court says is that there is a better approach and that there's no such thing as what the court calls a modified heckler's veto, that that just because some people might be offended by speech like this, uh, that it can be prescribed by the state. So that is Jonathan Turley talking about the Supreme Court decision that ruled in favor of the coach. You can pray before and after and uh, a football game. To me, it goes, it's logical. You worry about church and state. Evidently, this all became one family. Maybe there were others, but only one came forward and said, I'm an atheist. 
I don't want to have to pray. You know probably enough to pray. Well, I'm worried about my playtime being hurt. I just don't think I should even be in that situation. So they end up firing the coach when he wouldn't stop praying. So we took it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and he just won. We're waiting on the remain in Mexico. We're waiting on the, the West Virginia's uh, lawsuit, and they're, uh, they're suing the EPA. And I think there's going to be huge ramifications for that. one 408 7669 So there's a lot of Supreme Court decisions. What I just think is so dangerous, and hold me to it if I ever go the other way. When I see Stacey Abrams say, I don't buy that Brian Kemp beat me in Georgia. And I still don't buy it. I'll just run for re-election four years later. Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump, he knows he's illegitimate. He's an illegitimate president of the United States. Says it for four years. George W. Bush is illegitimate. He didn't win Florida. His brother gave him the election. You never really heard that with JFK because Nixon bowed out. Gore's sycophants and supporters are the ones did it. Al Gore never said that. But that was really hanging over the institution, the sense of voting. And then if you don't like the Supreme Court uh, justice's decisions, well, that court is illegitimate. We're going to pack the court. We're going to destroy it. I think there's a real worry uh, about that when you talk about illegitimate. So, in other words, if you lose a game, this is a terrible – football's terrible. I just don't like the sport. The refs through the game. The home field is tilted. Uh, The grass is – uh, the grass is, was only down for one side of the field and wasn't for the other. I mean, ridiculous excuses. But it just makes people who are fancier say, well, you're right. We didn't really lose. And even if there's all legitimate things there that you want to challenge, but don't challenge the institution. There's official ways to do that. And I just think that we keep getting that over and over again from people who are not happy uh, like, for example, with what just happened with Roe v. Wade. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham, cut 19. All of us in the conservative world have believed that there's nothing in the Constitution giving the federal government the right to regulate abortion. There's nothing in the Constitution that creates a right to abortion as a constitutional principle. This was judge-made, out-of-cloth law. Now, what this court has done is taken us back to pre-1973, where each state can decide through their elected officials when life begins and how to treat treat life. And this is a huge victory uh, for the pro-life movement. Uh, President Trump deserves a lion's share of credit here. He fought like a tiger to put three constitutional conservative judges on the court. He stood behind Kavanaugh. And all of us who've been working for the last 50 years to get this right, to have a constitutional reset, Friday was a glorious day. Yeah, I mean, perhaps. Uh, perhaps uh, it, it is for the pro-life movement what it means for the midterm elections. And if you don't like the cause, do what Senator Elizabeth Warren does. You don't like the decision. She says, uh, let's pack the court. AOC, it's illegitimate. And th- that's the danger where you say, okay, wait a second. You don't even like the, you know, you don't even... You don't like the decision. You don't debate the merits of the decision. You just want to debate the merits of the people made the decision and the court system. Paul, listening in Boston. Hey, Paul. Good morning, Brian. How are you, sir? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, Ruling in favor of the coach for the Supreme Court to have the freedom of expression of religion is our most basic and fundamental right. I'm glad to see they're on the right side of the cause. And, Brian, just a quick reminder. Years ago, I heard this, and in my travels, they were saying we got to take God out of the classroom because God has morals and ethics, and that undermines and compromises our agenda. Who said that? 
So they, they said this, quote, they said, what chance do they have against us? Do we have seven days a week of our agenda, and they have one hour a week of catechism. They don't stand a chance. And they added this point. They said you have to compartmentalize the people in police, teach anti-vision, and divest the investments to create chaos. And it's nice to see we're avoiding that and taking control of our destiny. Where are you reading that, though, when you said they? Who, who's saying that? They're called gins or metahumans. They have something called the star chamber where they undermine society to create economic, social, and environmental chaos. They try to create glow burn extinction-level events so they can clan rule minus the justice system and the police. They're just devils. That's what they do. All right. Uh, thanks. Uh, in terms of I never heard that as the source, but I've heard the, the topic. In fact, Pete Hegseth wrote about in his book, and he talked about that going on in schools. Uh, about an overall arching plan. I just don't understand. I always thought schools would be something that would be too pro your country, too much red, white, and blue, too much rah-rah America. Somehow we just spend all our time just trying to rip apart our democracy, our system, our country, our past. Not here. Rick That makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The wind that far out in the ocean is always blowing. It's not like it just every once in a while, like you wait on shore, where you have to deal with battery storage, uh, storing technology, etc. It's always blowing, and it, it can produce as much energy as a coal mine, as much energy as an oil, you know, well. Doesn't know what he's talking about. He never does. Uh, that is President Joe Biden talking about energy. Rick Perry, not only as governor of Texas, has to know about oil and gas. He does know it. Then he became secretary of energy from 2017 to 2019 for President Trump. Rick Perry, um, Mr. Secretary, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you. How are you? So I'm great. Uh, so is that true that uh, a windmill in the middle of the ocean is as good as uh, a good as a coal mine or natural gas? Uh- the the president, the current president, uh, President Biden, uh, he just repeats what's put in front of him. Uh, the radical left that controls his administration, I, I truly believe they do now. Uh, they are so committed to this altar uh, of the climate. I mean, they genuflect at the altar of the environment. And they will drive this train completely off the cliff before they say, you know what, we've made a mistake. Uh, We need an all-of-the-above energy strategy. Uh, Fossil fuels have played a very important role uh, in the flourishing of the human uh, race around the world, particularly in America, Uh, but they are willing to destroy that so that they don't have to say that they were wrong about that wind and uh, solar uh, by themselves uh, will find the solutions to deal with the climate that we have today, with the environmental issues. The way that you find the answers to those concerns, and and they're real and, and we should be focused on them, is through the wealth 
that is created by the fossil fuel industry. Uh, when you think about it, uh, whether it's <clears throat> our planet is as safe it's, as it's ever been. Uh, there's a great book out there that I highly recommend everyone read. You may have had uh, Alex Epstein on uh, called Fossil Future. And it talks about these issues in a legitimate, truthful way. Uh, the experts that we've been told that we need to listen to on the climate uh, have been radically wrong. I mean, stunningly wrong in, yep. their, uh, in their, uh, their presentations. Think about John Kerry. On the, I think on the floor of the Senate uh, a decade plus ago, he was saying that uh, by – 2012, there wasn't going to be any ice left in the Arctic. I mean, these are radical uh, environmentalists who have been wrong time after time. And unfortunately, the mainstream media doesn't call them to task because too many of them uh, are in bed with them. And they believe or not necessarily believe uh, they just don't want to stand up and say, hey, we were wrong. Fossil fuels are going to be a really important part of this. Wind and solar are fine, and, and we should use them where we can. But they're intermittent at best, and they're just not going to create the wealth that you're going to need for the innovation to come along uh, that will, in fact, change the way. I spent a day with, about, Brian. Yeah, I spent yeah. a day with George uh, P. Bush, the land commissioner, and he was talking about how the people are being discouraged even getting into the business. We know about Wall Street was told to divest themselves from energy stocks. So it's an all-out uh, kill. Uh, they're trying to do a kill switch on fossil fuels. While in Europe, Mr. Secretary, they are now firing up coal plants again because wind and solar are not preferred. A lot of them don't want to see the solar panels on their landscape in the distance. It messes up their view, and they're not able to get enough wind and solar in order to heat their country, and it's now against their national interest. I want, to hear, I want you to hear what President Biden said last week on leases. Oil and gas industry is sitting on nearly 9,000 unused but approved permits. Families can't afford that companies sit on these other hands. They have over 9,000 leases. 9,000. They, they can drill and sort of, the hell won't have it. They have 9,000 leases. 9,000 leases on public land. And they should be the user or loser. What do you think about that, uh, Mr. Secretary? Is he adequately explaining the, does he understand the business by making that statement? No, he doesn't understand the business. He understands the, uh, the radical left demand that he spew those figures out. The, here's the real issue is in the environmental regulations that come all through government, whether it's at the Department of Interior, whether it's at the SEC. I mean, literally, you got the Security, <laughs> the Security Exchange Commission using regulations to tell businesses where and when they can uh, invest in fossil fuel or invest in energy projects. Uh, using these regulations. It's the regulations that are the real killer, and, and the oil and gas industry knows that. Um, both the Secretary of Energy, Granholm, uh, Pete Buttigieg, the uh, Transportation Secretary, the President himself, have all said, we don't like the oil and gas industry. We're going to do everything we can to shut it down. And the oil and gas industry believes them because they see it with all of their regulations, all of the added costs that goes on, and the uncertainty. Uh, so the idea that there's 9,000 leases, so what? 
I mean, the, the, that really doesn't matter. What matters is that oil and gas companies, uh, and the vast majority of them are beholden to stockholders, which in turn uh, basically require a return on the investment. And you've got an administration that's sending the clear message of, listen, we don't like you. We're going to shut you down. We would like to keep all of that uh, fossil fuel in the ground because we think it is uh, has a deleterious effect on uh, the environment. And so we are driven by the environmental left, and we're going to fight you every inch of the way. And yeah. then the next day, uh, we're going to Saudi Arabia because we, we want them to produce more uh, oil. Or we're going to go down to Venezuela and ask the dictator Maduro to increase the oil production out of Venezuela. I mean, it's just craziness, uh, Brian. That, And the American people get it. They know they're being played as stooges. Uh, and November is going to roll around here. And there is going to be a massive turnout of people who want to send this administration a message and say, listen, uh, yeah, we support taking care of the environment, but we recognize that you've got to have the fossil fuel industry that is part of that. And matter of fact, playing a major part in that as we go forward because of the wealth that's created, that wealth in turn funds uh, innovation, yep. it funds the the new technologies, and that's going to be a powerful message, Brian, uh, in November. Uh, the American people are not stooges. They're not going to be played as chumps, uh, which is what Biden and his minions at the White House think of the American people. And, and by the way, that's, with, that's why he gets on the Q poll rating, 33 percent approval. I believe another, the, another poll came through from Reuters at 37 percent, and now he's at 41 percent, an all-time low for CBS, so the American people are onto it because it's not two dollars to thirty-five cent gas in the middle of a of a transition that's ready. We're not ready for the transition. I was looking at this. Uh, we're talking to Governor Perry. Um, if you want to go get an electric car, okay, no problem. Do you realize the electric cars, because of supply chain issues and everything else, and inflation, they have tacked down an extra six thousand two hundred fifty dollars on an electric car. So now, if you want a pickup truck, eighty-five to one hundred five thousand dollars. So everybody, from the biggest car to the smallest car, uh, the Tesla uh, as well, up 22%. They're up to $54,000. So you're telling the American people, working-class people using fossil fuels, this horrible thing called gas and oil, let alone trucks with diesel, you, you want them to go electric? They're, they're, still way, they're still unaffordable, and his policies are, are making that happen because inflation is making everything more expensive. Yeah. The American people are, are catching on to this, Brian. I mean, not catching on to it. They they know this to their core because when they go to the grocery store or when they buy something <clears throat> on Amazon uh, and they see the prices going up, they have now been educated enough to know that energy and the increase in the cost of energy – because of transportation costs, because of cost of production, because of practically everything in that supply chain is driven by the base uh, cost of energy. And it's going through the roof, and Americans have figured this out. They understand it. And they also 
know intuitively because they've seen it under the previous administration when America was energy independent and we had prices under control. Uh, there was no inflation. People had work. Uh, African-American, Hispanics, uh, unemployment rates at some of the lowest levels in history. And they were enjoying the uh, the results of that, the fruits of those policies that were deregulating uh, and and making it relatively easy to get a permit. The regulations were not onerous. As I recall, President uh, Trump said, when you get rid of two regulations, you can add one. And we were making a real, uh, a real hit out there. Internationally, people were respecting the United States because they were like, you know what? These guys are, these guys are serious about uh, their energy policies. Russia uh, got the message that we're going to shut down the Nord Stream 2. You're not going to uh, use that because we saw you use your energy as a weapon. And, Brian, it's just stunning to me that within months of the Biden administration they reversed everything. Off, they uh, reversed that. You saw Russia recognizing that, hey, we can use our energy now as a weapon, and that's exactly what's going on in Ukraine. It's would, because of Biden yeah. policies. So, um, Governor, with all your years as governor of Texas, we know how much guns means to your uh, community. Uh, to your state in particular, there was a bipartisan gun legislation signed into law over the weekend. Just to give you a highlight of what it is for our listeners, uh, we first off, there's going to be money for social and psychological services, going to be money for school security. Uh, they are going to not ban, uh, not raise the age to buy a gun, but keep it at 18, but look into a juvenile record and have a ha- have a waiting period before they purchase. Looking at Uvalde in Buffalo, that might have helped right there. There is going to be money provided for a red flag law should you choose to use it. Is this legislation an example of something that is uh, not everything you want as a Republican, but a bipartisan deal that you could get behind? Well, it wasn't from my perspective. I I think this was the classic knee-jerk reaction. Uh, these events are, are horrid, uh, and it, it's it's not because of access to weapons. Uh, that's not the driver here. I will suggest to you uh, this is uh, more in line with how do you change the culture that we live in. And, you know, I'm really concerned about these red flag laws. I think they have the potential to be abused and, uh, you know, the the – I'm just very, very concerned about uh, the red flag laws, how they're going to be used. And, uh, again, I think this was a piece of legislation that um, uh, we got force-fed. I'm not particularly happy that uh, Republican senators, or for that matter, um, uh, Democrat senators, voted for this thing. Uh, and they get to kind of dust their hands off and go on about their business that we addressed it, when the fact is they haven't addressed it. Uh, they may have put law-abiding citizens at jeopardy, uh, but the idea that uh, they're going to uh, be able to um, make a, an impact, a positive impact, on the type of event that happened at Uvalde. Listen, we, we, we saw Steve McCraw, the director of the Department of Public Safety, stand up and say, listen, the, the, the real tragedy here was the local law enforcement completely made bad decisions, uh, stood outside for over an hour, uh, and, I mean, 
that's what we ought to be focusing on rather than limiting law-abiding citizens' ability uh, to have a weapon but, or, but that, for that matter. But, but, that, but that deranged killer, you don't want him to get a gun, right? No, I mean, but and, and, and there should be ways to be able to do that. So you like without, that part but, of it, to be able well, to look to someone's juvenile record to see if they're unhinged, like what happened with Buffalo and, the, and this clown, this killer in Uvalde. Yeah, you, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't say, oh, you know, we don't want to look into these young people's backgrounds. That's uh, infringement on their, uh, you know, their, their privacy. Well, yeah, it, 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 it is a, it, it's infringing on our rights when you don't do that, in my opinion. I think you have right. to look at these people's mental states, and, and that uh, is what they should have been focusing on rather than these broad, sweeping gotcha. restrictions on uh, gun ownership, gun possession. Go- Governor, uh, Mr. Secretary, Governor Rick Perry, thanks so much. Always appreciate talking to you. Take care, Brian. I know you're going to be up uh, doing an event with the Mike Murphy uh, Museum Foundation uh, with my friend Marcus Luttrell. So uh, enjoy that. Those are, yeah, those are great. We're bringing America. the whole show. Uh, Governor, we're bringing the whole show there tomorrow, TV and radio. Awesome. Good yeah. on you. Yeah, fantastic. I hope to see you. When you come to Long Island, you got a barbecue at my house. All right? Yeah. Because that's oh. where this museum is. Brookhaven is a great national lab up there, so hopefully I'll get to come visit it again one of these days. And when I do, I'll come see what kind of barbecue you're capable of cooking up. I'll just turn this bachelor to you. (laughs) I'll just fire it up. Thanks, Governor. There you go. Appreciate it. All right, Godspeed. All right, back with your call in just a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, let's open up the phones if we can. Let's go out to Mississippi where we have WMXI, our great affiliate. Terry's there. Hey, Terry. Oh, yes, sir. My question is, is why don't they increase the penalties for doing crimes with guns so they penalize the people that are doing wrong instead of penalizing the people that are doing right with them? Yeah, that's the danger of, I mean, penalizing. The, a lot of these shooters end up dead. Um, you know, the one of them's going to get life in prison. I think what's, it's, I think the real target is the mass shooting. Uh, thanks so much, Mike, WSKY. Hey, Mike in Gainesville. Hey, Brian, in my opinion, we can talk about alternative energy sources all we want, but until we can get aircraft off the ground with any other source, we're just, we're missing the point, not to mention the military needs that, that is that we need for that. So that's my opinion, Brian. Thank you. Great show, as yeah, always. I appreciate it. It's true. And by the way, air flights can't be, couldn't be worse. I mean, my goodness. Oh, what is going on with air travel? Basically, every airline is, is dealing with huge labor problems. This was a prestigious job. I know air traffic control is a stressful job. I understand that. But the whole pilot, flight attendant, to get a job in an airport, the benefits used to be a great job. What happens to the perception and the reality? From the Fox.
Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. You guys are top of the business, man, because you guys are fair and balanced. Giving you opinions and facts with a positive outlook. I just want to thank you for being cheerful and, you know, making me laugh every day. Love your show. Love you. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I know you had a very exciting weekend. Hopefully it was you able to enjoy the weather and weren't stuck in an airport somewhere because so many people were. Uh, and, of course, people were talking about the Roe v. Wade decision. They were talking about what's happened with guns. They're talking about what's happened with everything. We also know the Supreme Court continues to hand out consequential decisions, and that is the latest one was that football coach that was fired because he refused to stop praying before and after games has just been reinstated and won uh, by a 6-3 count. For some reason, the liberal judges did not feel as though they had to uh, side with what was right, obviously what was right, but they aren't. Uh, we're going to talk to Julie Banderas at the bottom of the hour. I'll be doing Outnumbered at 12. You can watch me on TV. You can see us on Fox Nation now. Kerry Severino is standing by, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by LifeVac. Save a life in a choking emergency. Visit LifeVac.net to learn more and use code BK10 to save 10%. Number three. But the ultimate two issues really are how to deal with China and more immediately how to deal with Vladimir Putin and Russia. Uh, that is Pierce Morgan, who joined me today. The G7 dominated, it's going on right now, by Ukraine and Russia grabs another Donbass town at great cost. Now we find out they're going to stop buying Russian gold. Will that get their attention? Because right now they're defaulting on their debt for the first time since 1918, but yet they still keep their war machine going. Number two. President Biden has just signed a major gun control measure into law. The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is the most significant update to the nation's gun laws in nearly three decades. Guns green-lighted in New York, six other states, thanks, uh, and six other states, thanks to the Supreme Court ruling. And a bipartisan deal signed into law, as you just heard, uh, about guns. Because of the Buffalo Uvalde shooting, they came together, did both sides. What is in it? What does it mean for you? Are we safer because of it? Number one. Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and the question of abortion has been returned to the states. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. A weekend of protests and overheated punditry. What it means for abortion and the midterms. Let's bring in Kerry Severino, president of the Judicial Crisis Network, co-author of the book Justice on Trial, The Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court. Uh, Carrie, I've been watching on television. I understand you are not that surprised by this. Were you uh, are you surprised about the outrage from coast to coast, uh, the emotion on both sides? I know anyone anyone who's been watching this issue obviously can tell that this is a this is going to be a hot button issue, right? We knew this was going to be very volatile. I am a little surprised by the sort of embrace of actual straight up violence and, and truly uh, dangerous types of protests um, that hasn't gotten the pushback that I, I expected. The fact that people are protesting in front of justices' homes even after there was a, um, a attempted assassination, you know, I kind of thought that. You might see a little more pushback on that from from Democrats who wanted might want to look like they were somewhere in the middle on this. Apparently not. Uh, so that surprised me. But after the arguments in in December, especially, and then of course after the leak, the outcome of the case did not surprise me. But it it did kind of I could breathe a sigh of relief knowing that we had justices who were willing to stand up 
to all of this craziness, you know, all of the, the threats and the intimidation, and to come to the conclusion that they knew was legally correct. Mm-hmm. You, you uh, looked at the Kavanaugh situation, the ridiculousness uh, of the trial uh, that got him, the, of the confirmation hearings that got him the position. But now they're saying that he lied to Collins and Manchin. Listen to Congresswoman AOC, cut four. If we allow Supreme Court nominees to lie under under oath and secure lifetime appointments to the highest court of the land and then issue issue without basis, if you read these opinions, issue without basis rulings that deeply undermine the human and civil rights of, of, the, of the majority of Americans, we must see that through. There must be consequences for such a deeply destabilizing action and a hostile takeover of our democratic institutions. Hostile to, okay, uh, there's so much to unpack there, but (laughs) go ahead. Well, I mean, without basis, did she read the 100 pages of opinion? Apparently not. Uh, I mean, there there is a clear basis here, and it is the fact that abortion is simply not protected in the Constitution, and so the judges can't invent it. Uh, But I would just ask, uh, you know, Representative uh, Ocasio-Cortez to go back and watch the confirmation hearings that Judge Jackson just went through. She said a lot of stuff about how she wants to look at the original meaning and of, of, of laws and the text. So now every time she doesn't come to an originalist result, can we impeach her? I mean, come on. If you listen to the stuff that Kavanaugh and the other justices said, it was it was very carefully worded because they knew they can't promise to vote any one way. They described Roe as precedent, as longstanding precedent that had been upheld many times. That's all 100 percent accurate. It was precedent. That's why stare decisis and the question of do you overturn precedent comes in. And we know that every sitting member of the court, every member of the court going back, you know, as far as we can remember, has overturned cases before because they've recognized that they were incorrectly decided. So, you know, she's just angry about the result of the decision. I get it. But that's no excuse to just attack the institution of the court and attack the justices purposely, uh, uh, personally on on a, 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 you know, completely ridiculous claim like that. Thirteen states have trigger laws that was going to ban abortion entirely right away. Twenty states are going to fight to, like California and New York, are going to fight to make sure, and Massachusetts, uh, they all stay in place. So everyone's going to run to their corners. Senator Elizabeth Warren sees this to be a total travesty and wants to pack the court. Cut five. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it with the Roe versus Wade opinion. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court, and that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. Your thought about packing the court, you think this is the perfect time? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's so disappointing. I, I, I took uh, bankruptcy law from Liz Warren, and she was, boy, such, so much more reasonable when she was a professor at Harvard Law School. She even told me she thought Justice Thomas had the clearest and, and best bankruptcy opinion. So she has changed a lot now that she's gotten into politics. Um, but the idea that packing the court is a good idea is just so outrageous. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg could recognize this was bad. And the, and just the, this name-calling idea that anytime I disagree with the court, now it's illegitimate. And not just, hey, I disagree with this decision. I've, I've been saying, you know, there's the court is handing down decisions I disagree with that I don't think are constitutionally illegitimate for a long time. But the response isn't, blow the whole thing up. 
attack the courts and destroy the institution. No, they're just impatient. They only want to whatever they can get their political result with. Uh, That is so diametrically opposed to the rule of law. So I just want you to hear the dissent. Here's an excerpt from it uh, by Justices Breyer, Kagan and Sotomayor in overruling Roe v. Wade. This court betrays its guardian principles, the rule transferring power over abortion policy to the states, 22 of which have either already or likely will ban abortion Four more have pending legislation that would How does that resonate with you? Well, here's the problem with, with the dissent. It, it has a lot about abortion policy. You know, they, it's about how they how they think this is really important. They think this should be protected. Well, great. But that doesn't speak to whether it actually is protected in the Constitution. So if you can't make a good argument for where it's in the Constitution, then spare me your arguments about why it's such a great idea. Those are great arguments to make in Congress. Those are great arguments to make before a state house. It's not the arguments you make at the Supreme Court as a judge. That's, uh, that's I think, a, the real fundamental confusion here is what is your role? Carrie Severino with us, president of the Judicial Crisis Network. Uh, Carrie, your reaction to the coach winning the football decision? That he can pray before and after games and during games. Yeah, I mean, he'd been fired for just just saying a prayer, even just a private prayer by himself. He wasn't even asking the players to pray with him, but some wanted to. Some people on the other team were were coming out saying, hey, I want to pray with you. Um, I think the court did a great job of clarifying Again, they keep on going back to have to clarify their their um, First Amendment jurisprudence because a lot of the lower courts are still, you know, trying to find ways to squelch uh, religious speech. And this time they're saying, well, he was coercing the team into somehow uh, feeling like they had to pray with him. That just was contrary to the facts. And the court went back and said, look, this is nothing that anyone in the in the founding era would have considered. Under these tests you're looking at, no one would have considered this an establishment of religion just to let one school employee pray privately. Uh, so this is something they have to allow to continue. It's, it's great. It's a 10-year uh, win streak, really, for religious freedom at the Supreme Court, and I hope that continues. Gary, when we see all these protests taking places, the addresses of all the Supreme Court justices, the conservative ones that voted for this at their houses, are you getting concerned um, more and more about their welfare? Yeah, I, I'm very concerned that there hasn't been pushback. Again, this is something that, that I mean, now the decision has been handed down, so the, the legal uh, uh, grounds for not intimidating someone for an active case are different, but there are still local laws that prevent uh, these kinds of uh, de- demonstrations in front of the houses. And we saw the president, instead of it, uh, trying to enforce that federal law, we saw him effectively encouraging these protests. I am just grateful that, you know, even even now, after the decision has come out, it's, it's interesting. It seems like the, the protests have already died down somewhat in front of the justices' homes. And um, I, I pray we don't see any more, you know, assassination attempts like we did. It's more evidence of why this leak was so damaging, because having the decision not out actually caused higher intensity of protests uh, than even having the decision out. Obviously, there's still a lot of unrest. There's still a lot of people angry about it. But but I'm hoping this will die down so that the, the, the justices uh, can return to a normal life. I think that's what we should want for our public officials. And I, I'm discouraged we haven't seen more support from the Biden administration uh, for that, that common sense idea. Yeah, I mean, he did on Sunday when he made the or he said, I want everyone to be calm, but maybe he could have went a little further and re- reinstituted and, re- and reemphasized it. But, Carrie, the other thing, I'm just wondering, with you, being that you you work on the Kavanaugh stuff for so long, the nomination hearings, do you think on some level he wish he never was nominated? 
you know, I, I think they all go. I think they got a lot more. Uh, it, it was much worse than than what they signed up for. Even the justices who didn't have uh, that much of a, 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 con- a, a controversial confirmation process all seem to feel like, oh my gosh, this is this was a, a, a real kick in the gut. And obviously, he has gotten it worse than almost anyone else. Um, but I think, you know, as Justice Thomas said, after he was a- attacked in his own confirmation process, by the time you're in the middle of it, he said, I, I would rather die than, um, than step down from this at this point. And so now I, I think it kind of um, makes you feel more firmly that what you're doing must be right if, you, if standing up for just what the Constitution says is getting this much pushback, um, that it's good that you're there to be able to take that stance. And I hope Justice Kavanaugh feels that way, too. Carrie Severino, thanks so much. If you want to know the, the, insights, uh, the inside story on the Kavanaugh confirmation, pick up her book, Justice on Trial. Carrie, thank you. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Hey, uh, 1-866-408-7669. We're going to come back with your calls. And then at the bottom of the hour, all bets are off with Julie Banderas. And then at the top of the hour, I'm going on outnumbered. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. My dad was my hero. Led me where I went and uh, did this nation a great favor in his leadership, uh, developing fighter tactics and being a fighter ace and, uh, and starting the Naval Aviation Safety Center, which in fact saved naval aviation wow. in the 50s. So. Uh, and Admiral, uh, as far as your dad, at first, he was the first to land on this aircraft carrier, right? Right. He'd earned his spurs out at the Battle of Coral Sea. Skipper of the ship, Jekyll Clark, brought him to be the first air wing commander. So that's the history of the aircraft carrier. And that was Admiral Flatley. He's in his 80s, fought in World War II. And his dad was one of the first to even land on an aircraft carrier. So it was incredible, uh, that whole family. And then they have the next generation are also uh, uh, fighter pilots. So it's a pretty amazing family. It's all part of what made America great on Fox Nation. Four new episodes drop on Thursday. This week I'll be previewing all of them. History of oil, history of Hollywood, history of the aircraft carrier. Uh, and history of the automobile. Fascinating. I know I'm usually doing colonial things and things about wars and presidents. Just a little bit different, but I think a really important part of our past that I think is really cool. We're waiting on more Supreme Court decisions, the first of which came down already today that talked about that football coach who got fired because he refused to stop praying before games. He says, I don't want any money. I'm not going to quit. I already fought 20 years in the Marines. Not fought, but, you know, you already served 20 years in the Marines. Don't really need the money. I want to coach football, and I want to be able to pray after games. And I'm not going to make anyone pray. I'm going to do it. The players can join me or not. It's not going to affect your play time. They fired him. So he's like, I'm suing. So okay, fine. When I read the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court ruled in his favor. Uh, final uh, numbers was 6-3. to three. Supreme Court making a huge uh, news also in New York where we're located you know, it's very hard to get a gun permit here, a concealed carry permit. You probably don't understand that as you listen on KRMG and our Oklahoma stations and our Nebraska stations and our Florida stations and our Texas stations. But in New York, extremely hard to get a gun. So especially in New York City. So now the Supreme Court looked at that and says the restrictions are so great from this 1911 law, we're going to overturn it. And you, because your Second Amendment's being violated. 
So instead, name some places you don't want them carrying a gun, but they can carry a gun besides that, unless, of course, they have violated the law and domestic abusers or a felon or anything like that. That goes along with the law of the land. And people are outraged. Six other states from New Jersey on down are affected by this. But that's huge news. And then Roe v. Wade is also huge news on top of that. And that's what we've been discussing. But in terms of this being something where Roe v. Wade being overturned and next thing is going to be same-sex marriage and next thing is going to be contraception, it's just wrong. Even though Clarence Thomas says in a statement that that could be in play, nobody else agrees with that. Here's Jan Crawford, a CBS legal analyst, cut 20. Yes, I mean, Justice Thomas wrote that separate opinion that the language was obviously very jarring for some people to read, but he has one vote, and it takes five. And the court majority said it's hard to see how we could be any more clear that those cases, the right to contraception, the right to same-sex marriage, are not in doubt that abortion is different because, as the court said, it involves a life. You had Justice Kavanaugh writing a separate opinion, making that point, emphasizing that point. Those cases are not at risk. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much that's pretty clear. What why Thomas did that, I don't think there's any reason to write that. That does adds fuel to the fire that it's a bigger story than it actually is. Other people weighing in, and a lot of people think this, that in the advent of the sonogram and the three D images and the fact is they almost look like family photos now that you get at Sears, or used to be when Sears was in business. Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Uh real quick, this is what she said, cut twenty two. After 20 weeks of age, you do see the human life form growing inside. I mean, we have MRI and ultrasound and everything, and you see the movements of this baby. And so for them to say that this isn't a human and still consider aborting a viable, healthy child, um, it is really upsetting for a lot of people. And the the radicalization of the pro-choice movement, in my opinion, is why you've gotten so much support for the pro-life movement, because a lot of people are against these late-term abortions. Dr. Cole Sapphire, who had a, a child at a very young age, obviously kept the baby. The baby's uh, now 20. Uh, so she's still in the medical profession, obviously. You've seen her all over the channel. When we come back, Julie Banderas joins us. Then we find out if there's more to know. Top of the hour, outnumbered. Busy day. So glad you're here. Tomorrow, we'll be at the Seal Museum on Tuesday uh, on Long Island. It's about to open. You're going to get an up-close look at it. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. The court says that what the coach did in this case uh, was clearly private speech, not subject to this type of regulation. The dissent uh, was equally strong and said that not only did the majority ignore the facts in the record, but it does acknowledge that it effectively killed the lemon test. Uh, and that it is now, uh, in the dissent's view, uh, showing much greater support for free exercise of religion than the bar on the establishment of religion. So that was Jonathan Turley commenting on the new Supreme Court justice ruling that just came down, well, a short time ago. Uh, the conservative majority sided with the former football coach. 6-3 is the decision. Joe Kennedy can get his job back because he just wanted to be able to pray at the 50-yard line with students who can or cannot choose to participate with him. The school district said, stop it or you're fired. He wouldn't, and he got fired. Now Kennedy gets his job back as football coach. He served 20 years as a Marine. This did not surprise me, did they? Hi, I'm Julie. Oh, Julie Vanderas. I'm so used to you being here. Uh, Julie Vanderas is here, Fox News' own, and uh, she'll be doing our number with me at the top of the hour. We are. 
targeted you outnumbered. Very excited. That's why I wanted to spend my whole morning and afternoon. What are you doing after the show? Want to do? Lunch? I'm going. I'd like to you go buy? back to Southampton, mm, okay, and uh, I'd love come. to. Yeah, I'd love to go back. There. I have a car that will commute you right there. Right. You have to find your way back <laughs> on my own. Yeah, exactly. Walk. Um. So, uh, this. This coach, first of all, the, the whole freedom of religion and the right to pray in public is something that I find so infuriating because this would have set a precedent that if you cannot sit at lunch because you're a teacher in a school, right, where, you know, religion is supposed to be separated, church and state, yeah. all of that nonsense. If you're sitting at lunch and you're about to eat lunch, as my children are taught in Catholic school, they pray every time they eat a meal. They pray before snacks. So if you can't sit and pray to yourself, you're going to be discriminated against that. That's what these liberals want, uh, to discriminate against those who want to pray. But, you know, the other thing is, I'm sure if this guy was a Muslim oh. and he wanted to pray three times during the game, during the first quarter, yeah. th- they'd be scared to death to oh, yeah. even no, challenge that. No, they would never that. say anything because they would be scared and they would be... Of, of, accused of being racist and, 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 and everything, every other name in the book. Absolutely. So that's – I'm waiting on the Remain in Mexico too and also the EPA against West Virginia. Why? Because a lot of these EPA are so oppressive with, with their demands because they hate fossil fuels. West Virginia stood up and said this is egregious. And my hope is that they get a big brush back because if not, this John Kerry, Joe Biden – environment or bust attitude, right. I think is going to destroy our country. It, well, it already is. I mean, look at our gas prices. I mean, so yeah, they are destroying our country and they need to think locally. They need to start thinking fuel, you know, uh, 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 fuel lines and they need to start thinking here in the United States, not, right. you know, getting our importing our fuel or oil from other countries because they've screwed the pooch on that one already. So, you know, as much as there were protests around the country, yeah. I actually don't think it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, how do you feel about no that? No one was killed. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, it wasn't that bad. I mean, we but remember it was the bad. George Floyd riots. Yeah, it was yes, but it still was bad. I mean, these people are. Oh, my favorite are the women who are protesting that they are going to abstain from sex. Um, I have my six-year-old in the room, so I'm going to go Sorry. ahead and call that sugar. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so women are now basically putting their foot down that they are not going to put out sugar. Um, again, my six-year-old Harrison's in the studio. And I say, if you've seen any of these women that actually attend these protests, they are actually doing the entire male population a freaking favor. Right. <laughs> I'm that, just saying. That, do, um, do, do, do the men in the studio control room? Like They will not answer you because yeah. they want to keep their jobs. <laughs> That's true. But Every I will we... say, as a woman, right. they are doing the male population a favor. So right. go ahead and abstain from sugar all you want. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Good luck with that. Plus, it causes I'm sure diabetes. The, I'm, sure the, yeah, I'm sure the country will move on from there. Exactly. Um, but here, here's to somebody that is normally not hyperbolic, but Terry Moran on ABC. Listen to him. Cut one. This is the most consequential Supreme Court decision in decades. It changes the status of American women as citizens of the United States and as citizens of their states. That's the big picture. But let's not mince words. Women will die because of this ruling. Women will die because of the ruling. Well, what he's saying is that if women don't get to have an abortion legally, they will find other means to get an abortion. And again, we're not going back in mid-century, okay? We're not going back to olden because times. it's just to the we're, states. Yes, exactly. We're not going back in time. They're exaggerating the case. When he says women will die, first of all, when a man talks about a woman like that, it just, it's infuriating because he does, he has no idea what he's talking about. But again, we're talking about women who went through major extremes and put their lives on the line to basically give themselves abortions. That is not what's going to happen. 
happen here. Let's be let's be real. This is a state by state thing, and they're just taking it to such an umpteenth degree. I also want to just say one more thing. So you know how women were just so you know my body, my choice about abortion, but yet when it came to mandating the vaccine, where where was my body, my choice? Please, I, absolutely. No, and ser- I mean, I, I, like all the women that are decrying this whole my body, my choice, but yet they were pro vaccine, and if you don't get vaccinated, you shouldn't have a choice to get vaccinated and vaccine mandates and all of that. It's hypothetical. I mean, it's hypocritical. It's whatever suits their, their, you know, right. their, their theory. So if you look at inflation, you look at uh, the, uh, the exit from Afghanistan, you look at gas prices, uh, you look at what's going to would build back better and its failure. So far, Joe Biden has earned all 33% of his approval rating. Democrats right. are screwed in the midterms. But people think this could be giving them a breath of fresh air that gives them some momentum because this is clearly an issue that they can start raising money on, start getting people behind, especially in the local issue. Can you see that? Uh, I think that this is going to – I think that the abortion issue may may hurt a little bit in certain Republican, Republican districts only because there are Republicans and moderates that believe that it doesn't come out and do whether abortion is right or wrong. That's not the issue is do women – have the, the do they deserve the right to choose? I think that's the issue. But right. as far as Republicans are concerned, the, the, it's going to be a red wave. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath come the midterms. I mean, out of 1.7 million voters in this country that switched their registration, uh, two thirds of those voters right. switched to Republican. Why do you think? Not because of abortion, because the country is in the tank. Here's what Jonathan Swan said. His reporting reveals. He said this with Martha this weekend. Cut eleven. So inside the White House, they've been preparing for this since the leak happened, since the leak came out at the start of May of the decision. They immediately saw, in terms of the political dimensions of it, they saw this as their best opportunity to energise Democratic voters this year. The guns issue was another one, but that's sort of been neutered a little bit because of the bipartisan deal on the Hill. So to the extent that they have an issue that can rev up their base, their base has been very depressed, um, they've got probably the most uh, horrible political environment for Democrats in a decade. Um, and uh, this issue has been, to some extent, a life raft for them. So they're going to do a full court press on this. The vice president has a really prominent role in this. She's been meeting with um, pro-choice groups almost every week since that leak happened. And they're going to mobilize their political and outside infrastructure to get as much political bang for their buck as they can out of this decision. Yeah. It's going to backfire on Democrats because Democrats think that this is going to rile up their base. What it does is it makes them look like jerks because they can't ever just counter an opinion without there being anger. Why can't you just come out and peacefully say, look, this is the deal. We don't, you know, we want to, we, 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 we support this position, but instead it's always this anger mob. And that's what it is all over the country. You're bringing out the angry. You're literally just, they were actually lying dormant for a while. It's sort of like asbestos. And now they're all, you know, now it's out in the air and it's not going to go away and they're going to make their own party look terrible. But I mean, if you do want to make sure your party does not have like women, Mississippi has zero tolerance. You can't just, they're right. illegal. Right. You might scramble to make sure that Republican governor doesn't get elected. Right. The Democrat was. You might say, I want to I want to pack the court and I want to blow up the filibuster. That means I want Fetterman over Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. I right. want to make sure that Warnock 
beats Herschel Walker, where in the beginning I'm just so fed up with the Democrats. So you could see them maybe using that and getting a few percentage points. But I think the key word came at the end. The vice president has been leading this. So which makes many, very Republicans very happy because what has she ever led successfully? Exactly. So there's a story that she tweeted out an image of her and with these words. I know there are women out there who are afraid. To those of you who feel alone and scared, I want you to know the president and I are fighting for you and your rights. We are in this fight together. And there's a picture of her on Air Force Two watching a flat screen just like all of us would mm. on our own private yeah. jet with a yeah. treadmill and a flat screen yes. standing up on a flight. Wait, and I'm sorry. And also on that flat screen, P.S. was CNN, right. <laughs> which I thought was amazing. And I'm like, wait a second. This is ridiculous. Is she getting paid by CNN to put that on the television screen? Because don't tell me that was not planned. And whatever person actually advised her to put this tweet up there and thought this was a good idea, whoever advised her to do this should be fired because it's not a good look when when a woman is 30,000 right. you know, feet up in the air talking about, hey, women down below, and I mean down below more than physically, like you are beneath me, okay? Yeah, we feel you. She feels nothing well, except for turbulence. Well, by the way, she said so many people quit. They're all eventually going to leave soon. Hillary Kelly of New York Magazine writes this could, uh, and tweets this out. Could you be more specific? Like how are you fighting? Describe mm-hmm. the tactics. Explain the policy. Can you give us a rundown? Joan Carter of the Daily Cost. These are left-wing uh, outlets. Uh, um, 36,000 feet above everything, watching on a big-ass TV in a private plane, <laughs> and the message is, we're in this together. I'm not sure you guys get where the rest of us are right now. And there's some other funny ones uh, that are also uh, listed down there as people who are calling her out. Once again, the vice president poorly served by her staff with no instincts. And do I believe, do you think, can rally effectively a message that will enable them to stop the bleeding in yeah. Senate and the House? Yeah. And first of all, she essentially just basically said thoughts and prayers, you know, like thoughts and prayers. After yeah. there's a mass shooting, thoughts and prayers. I mean, she's basically full of it. And she there's no genuine side in her whatsoever. And she... I just don't understand why she posted that picture. That picture was really a bad idea. Right. So uh, that's going to be their story. That's what they're going to look to to motivate their base to do. Yep. Uh, real quick, we're going to be talking about this on Outnumbered, but on the gun legislation that passed on over the weekend, yep. Republicans feel like they got, uh, you know, they got a handful of votes in the House and they got 15 votes in the Senate. Right. How do you feel this thing is going to be played out as Cornyn and Senator Murphy did a bipartisan deal? Um, I think that it's going to be revised at some point. I mean, I think that at this point in the in the country that the Democrats had no choice but to do something. I mean, we've had how many school shootings in the last five, six months? Well, they got almost nothing they wanted. They wanted the, they wanted the AR-15 ban that's You're still right. there. They wanted the age put up to 21. It is still there. One yep. of the national red flag law, it's still there. They want uh, universal background checks. They don't have it. No, I know. So it's a failed, it's a failed attempt is all it is. And all it is is just more, 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 you know, talking points, argument points for the Democrats that then go out and, and raise hell before the midterms. But quite frankly, as far as the red flag laws are concerned, making that a national thing, I don't think that's the worst idea. I mean, New York State does have it, but it's not a it's not a surefire way to prevent these shootings because obviously here in New York we had a school shooting and we have red flaw state uh, laws here enacted um, in this state and it didn't prevent that shooting because the 18 year old had his record expunged. Now they're going to yes. be able to go back. He threatened in. to shoot up his school last June, saying but, that he was going to go in and shoot up. But and he was 17. Flags. 
Yes. Uh, and now this new rule, you can go back and look at the juvenile record, right. and there will be a waiting period, which I think is a positive. Uh, Julie, we'll see you on now number. Yeah, back we've with got more to 10 know. minutes. Fast as three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm going to be on Outnumbered in a matter of moments. But before I do, I want to find out if there's indeed more to know. More to know. I'm just probably not a big surprise to you, but there have been 671 fights have been canceled uh, within a, from Sunday afternoon till today. Do you believe that? 671. All airlines, too. No one's alleviated from it. This is according to FlightAware. Delta scrapped 204 flights uh, by 2.30 Eastern Time, Southwestern by 100. An estimated 3.5 million Americans expected to travel by plane during the upcoming holiday weekend. One of the busiest, and they're not ready for it. To make matters worse, the average price of a plane ticket is currently $201, up 14% year to year. Keep in mind, we gave the airlines $50 billion during the pandemic to keep the planes in the air, keep everyone going, keep them employed, and we're still being screwed. Next, Tom Cruise's film Maverick achieved another impressive milestone at the box office as it crossed over $1 billion, so much for the movie theaters being dead. So you have Tom Cruise, the sequel to the 1986 Top Gun, has just been a runaway hit. Those ticket sales, the movie dethroned, with those ticket sales of late, the movie dethroned Marvel superhero Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That made $943 million as the highest grossing movie of the year at the global box office. Paramount's Blockbuster was already the highest grossing movie of the year in the domestic box office. Spider-Man No Way Home, which garnered more than $1.89 billion, is the only other film to hit the $1 billion since the coronavirus. Keep in mind that Elvis movie is going to be big. So there is something to see in the theaters. Next, up to 40,000 Army National Guards, 13% of the entire force, have not been inoculated. As of Thursday, they could all be gone. At least 14,000 of the soldiers have not had the inoculations needed. By the way, we shouldn't even have this. This new variance, these new variants, really, this inoculation does not really work against them. Let it go. Between 20 to 30% of the guards in six states are not vaccinated. This would be devastating to our national security. you got to just let this thing dissipate or extend the deadline. Next, move over burgers. Chicken tops the list of favorite grilling foods. Told you. Chicken is a classic favorite for its 53%. Meat, 50%. Steak, 48%. Chicken also reigns supreme among meat lovers and favorite main dishes to cook at a barbecue at 56%. Uh, good news, everybody's grilling. That means you're outdoors. Next. You, I was going to say, how do you like your, how do you, I know you're not a meat guy, but how do you like your chicken? What's the style of? Uh... Too personal. I'm not willing to open up right now. <laughs> okay. The University of Michigan gives nearly $2 million to a group attempting to dismantle systematic racism. This is unbelievable. University of Michigan's a, a tragic joke. Uh, they're confronting the, card, uh, uh, the cancer, which is racism, with a partner with the community of organizations to center the voices of lived experiences of incarcerated people. The project was given grant funding as part of the university's Meet the Moment Research Initiative that focuses on faculty and research and scholarship to address today's most pressing societal issues confronting the carceral state, criminalization, confinement, and control. At a time in which all criminals are out and about, they're going to go into the prisons to interview them. Lastly, live golf competitors who competed at the Saudi-backed league run by Greg Norman. Guess what? The DP World Tour will find them 
because they're a part of the PGA Tour. They say golfers who competed in the London event at the Centurion Club didn't receive releases to play. That's Garcia, that's Lee Westwood, that's Richard Bland, that's Martin Kameyer, Ian Poulter, Bernard Weisberger, Sam Rosenberg, uh, some other names, Graham McDonald, you probably know. There were players in question. They were fined and suspended by the organization. The golfers received a fine of $100,000 and were suspended for the upcoming Genesis Scottish Cup. The organization said any potential infractions would result in more sanctions. I got news for you. With Bruce Brooks Kepka going over there and so many others, I don't think they care. They might be done with your league. You got to go revisit it. Uh, and that's, uh, that's what roughly is what's going on. Real quick, tiny mites may be mating on your face. Tiny eight-legged features may be having sex on your face while you sleep. This according to a new study. The mites are both invisible to the naked eye and on the skin of all humans. Moreover, they have some bizarre mating habits. They entwine couples, cling on our hair as they do their thing. Uh, there are 48,000 species of mites, and some of them are probably having fun on your body right now. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.